internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm well. I'm getting into the spirit. That, the, that, the what? The November spirit? Or? No. That Christmas spirit. That Christmas spirit. spirit. I, it it I, is so much fun to have children who understand what's happening during Christmas. My uh, favorite thing that has happened so far is we have a fake tree. We have mm-hmm, an artificial mm-hmm. tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we pulled it out of the box. And it was in three segments. <laughs> and pulled it out. And Dottie, who is almost three, goes, wait a minute. We're supposed to have a tall tree. <laughs> and so then after I put it together, about 20 minutes later, she looked at it and she went, that's more like That's it. more like it. <laughs> and I was like, who is this like newsy-esque figure? Wait a minute. What? So this thing. Um, I was also, I was recently talking uh, with her friends, Charlie and Lauren, because uh, they just had a baby. And I talked about BB uh, when BB was born in 2016. It was, uh, you know, the end of October. Uh, so that, that preceding two weeks uh, between having a baby and uh, the 2016 election, put a real damper on any desire to like do stuff, like decorate and Mm -hmm. So I manufactured Christmas spirit by watching as many Christmas movies and specials as we could and documenting them and saying like, oh, we watched this one today and we've seen Muppet Christmas Carol three times and have we watched this one yet? No, and uh, it's a very uh, bonkers thing to do, but it works. It, it drove, totally worked. It drove us to actually do decorations. And, and the children have enjoyed it, actually. You've kept it up. We yes. have a collection. I don't document it as much this no, year. I don't no. like do the same like spreadsheet I did yeah, before. Yeah, you had but. a list. You had a, an exhaustive list. This was also the first year BB specifically requested the uh, Claymation Christmas special that I grew up watching. She was like, can we watch the one with the raisins? And I was like, oh, yes, you mean, we, yes, we you can. mean the Claymation Christmas? Yes, of course we can. Uh, and that was, that was a very proud moment for me. Well, today we are specifically going to talk about Christmas lights. Um, not only the history, but also the etiquette uh, surrounding outdoor lights. Now, I don't know about your household, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, growing up, my mom was like, the white Christmas lights okay. were all we did. She, for some reason, thought like, you know, the, the rainbow lights, she was like, those are tacky. Huh. And it was like dead set, like there were no colorful lights in our home. It was all white lights. And uh, we would like drive by people that had like the rainbow lights and she'd be like, oh, tacky. Aww. And that was just, and this is, I've been to her parents' house, like both my grandfather's house and then my grandmother's house. They both had rainbow lights in their house. <laughs> I don't know where, but my mom was also very much like the decorations for Christmas. We still have some of them were very much like what she called country Christmas. And it would be like little apples, right, that hung on the thing. Yeah. Or like a little uh, miniature like cookie tray with like carved wooden cookies and the shapes and of like things. And like the pink and white, rib- no, the red and white ribbons. Yeah, red and white and red and gold. Like she was, she was going for that Christmas tree you could submit to a decoration competition look. You know, so like it was always like, uh, all over the plant. De- this makes like, my mom sound like magazine very tasteful home. Oh, it's more like uh, what taste is that? of country, home, country living or country something. Living. <laughs> home and garden, whatever. And so, like all of the like you know the handmade stuff, if it didn't fit, was like on the sides and stuff. I can't stress enough. This makes my mom sound like a very controlling Christmas decorator. That was not true. She just had a vision. Yeah, yeah. She was an artist. My my mom and dad 
They definitely did the uh, the multicolored ones. We were some of the first people in our neighborhood to do the icicle style lights. Ooh. My dad was really into that. Um, my mom also has a very soft spot for the large bulbs. Okay. Instead of all of the like the mini ones, right? Uh, I think we always did colored Christmas lights on our tree. Um, my mom did candles in the window for a while. Like actual candles? No, the oh. electric candles. In oh, the yeah, my mom loved the. It's a thing that I feel like now with like battery operated things has mm-hmm. gone the way of the past, but we had those like, you know, the like yellowy gold cords yeah. that plugged in everywhere and you had to like hand switch mm-hmm. each of mm-hmm. them off at night. Yeah. I remember, man, growing up with all of that stuff, um, you know, before remote controls for everything, that it was like, Turning off the Christmas lights at night was like a full blown like fifteen to twenty minute thing. Oh, yeah, just going totally. around to like the mantle and then the one the lights and going unplug crawling under unplugging the tree, all that stuff. We had a big beautiful blue spruce out in a our front spruce. yard behind our mailbox that my parents for a long time decorated like a Christmas tree, putting lights on the tree, which was amazing. Um, my dad also was one of the first people that I knew of to get the netting I lights the netting. that go over your bushes and whatever. Looks nice. Takes about five seconds. Yes. Yes. Um, but when when did your family start the decorating and when did the, decorate, the decorations conclude? Well, I think we've talked about previously that Thanksgiving, like cooking holidays were big for my mom. Mm-hmm. And so like Thanksgiving was a thing in our house. So we did not decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. So okay. I want to say it was like the day after or the weekend after was when like they went up and it was always like, you know, we go to the attic, pull down the like numbered boxes of Christmas, pull those out and then like going through the house. And there were, by the time, you know, I can remember it at like 14 or 15, I can remember earlier, but by that, by the point in time I was a teenager, it was like, this goes in this room, this goes on top of this, this Mm, goes here. mm -hmm. It was very prescribed. Um, like, oh, this box is for, you know, the dining room and this goes here. Oh, okay. Uh, my, uh, my parents, I think, really kind of scoped out, like, when is the last nice weekend before it starts getting cold? Because mm. they did not like decorating outside, especially in the cold. Well, we had a very small front yard. So, like, we didn't do, uh, like, any inflatables or anything like that. Oh, no, no. We, we did the icicle yet. lights around the front and then there were, like, a wreath on the door and I mm. think maybe like a wall or like a hanging next oh, to the okay. door. But like that was for outdoor stuff. That was it. But we had like uh, in the front windows, okay. we had the decorations inside there that you could see from the oh. outside. See, my dad loved to do the lights on the bushes. He did the roof lines in the, the lights and then icicle lights along like the porch in the front and then the big tree and sometimes even little trees got kind of like a swirl of lights in them. Seems like a lot So of a lot of outdoor decorating and I think that's why they, they kind of like scoped out the nicest weekend in like November, I think. But they didn't turn them on until after Thanksgiving. Oh, I see. Um, but the actual putting up of decorations was more about convenience than so about tell me, timing. Tell me about the history of lights because I do know I re- I reacted to the candles. Yes, people for a long time did put live candles Absolutely. onto trees and stuff. Indeed, and we'll talk about that. Um, so there's a bit of a debate about where the tradition of Christmas lights actually comes from. Some people say that it's another holdover from the pagan tradition of the solstice. I sure. mean, which 
is about light, which mis- would make sense. Um, but it might be part of that kind of like great Christian reband- rebrand we've talked about with mistletoe and holly and Christmas trees. Yule log. And- but it's pretty circumstantial. I mean, because a lot of pagan practices did like illuminate candles for the solstice. Yeah, but you can't own lighting candles. Yeah, it seemed to be less decorative and more like symbolic of lighting things in the dark, right? I mean, yeah, because if we're going to talk about lighting candles, I mean, menorahs in there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, There's a lot of other things. I mean, lots of stuff about lighting candles as a festival thing. Mm -hmm. And so whether or not it's actually related to like the religious aspects is still still kind of up in the air. But we do know that holiday lights to decorate the Christmas tree began in the 17th century in Germany. Well, I was going to guess. Oh. Right? Well, no, I I mean, that's what I would have guessed. Yes. That's what I mean. Not like, how dare you, I was going to guess. (laughs) Just because so much of our Christmas tree now, modern day stuff, comes from Germany. Germany at that time period. Um, And, I mean, obviously, they didn't have strands of lights, right, electric lights. They would attach small candles to the actual tree branches using wax or pins. Um, And it was kind of like a status symbol, right, because candles were were not cheap. Yeah. Um, And Neither were house fires. Yeah. If you could light up your whole tree, right, then that was a show of wealth. And you would also be able to see then all the pretty ornaments that were also a display of wealth, how many of those you had and what they were made of. Um, I mean, but exactly like you said, it's kind of like how uh, the danger tree, like how long can we keep this lit before it becomes a problem, right? Because you know that they weren't on top of like having the reservoirs that the tree went into. I mean, even now, Mm -hmm. there's still fires you know, every Christmas with electric lights and, you know, fire extinguishers and stuff. I can't even imagine. Which is more actually, I mean, if you want to go and like look it up uh, on Mythbusters, which is more actually to do with the state of your lights than it is the dryness of your tree. But sure. Anyway, um, so usually it would be kind of like an after dinner activity to light the candles, look at it and then blow them out. Mm hmm. Um, There wasn't a lot of other stuff to do. They didn't have cable yet. No, they didn't have cable. Um, Around 1890, candle tree holders were introduced. So they were usually kind of like like a small metal cup with like a clip on the bottom, Mm. right, to try and keep the distance between the the branch and the fire uh, smaller. But, I mean, again, it still wasn't the best idea. Um, so between 1902 and 1914, uh, you started to get more like small lanterns, right? So encased fire a little bit. And then glass balls, um, again, to kind of like encase the flames. Which Um, are now, if you ever see, they make Christmas ornaments designed to look like those balls with like the circle that's kind of indented in the mm-hmm, middle mm-hmm. where it's just like, yeah, this is like a representation of that where you used to put the candles inside them. Now we just make ornaments that look like the representation of a candle inside a ball. Right. The real game changer happened in 1882 at the hands of a man named Edward H. Johnson. Oh, see, I would have guessed like Edison. Uh, he's he's. I mean, he was a VP. Or Tesla, really, because most, yeah, Nikolai Tesla, because most uh, strings of lights now are alternating current, but. 
He was the vice president of the Edison Electric Light Company. Oh, okay. um, and he, uh, Ed, Edward Johnson, is regarded as the father of electric Christmas lights. Okay. Um, so he had this, this idea to, um, to use the electric light in order to light his Christmas tree. And he had the, um, the inventors at the company make a small, like, maybe like 80 light string of incandescent, hand-wired, uh, red, white, and blue bulbs. For America. Well, I mean, those were the colors. White was obviously easy, right? And then you would have the paint from the red and the yeah. blue. I, I don't think it had much to do with America For as it America. did to— had to do with it was easy easy okay. <laughs> um and it didn't it really wasn't like the runaway success i think that maybe he was hoping for i have to imagine at that point is if you're talking about hand wiring cost prohibitive certainly and uh, also did everybody have plugs did it was everybody able to do this at home this was this seems like that i mean clearly we all use them now but it seems way ahead of its time as far as the demand went. Absolutely. Um, and each was about, I mean, the size of a walnut. So they were still the large size, right? Yeah. Um, so on December 22nd, 1882, Edward H. Johnson unveiled his personal Christmas tree at his home on Fifth Avenue in New York City as the first ever Christmas tree with electric light. And everybody shunned him as the devil. Yeah, nobody nobody really cared. Okay. I mean, that, that's man, we've all been there, right? Where you like have people are like, look at my tree. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a tree. Um, all of the New York papers, uh, who probably were a little annoyed at like the Edison kind of like antics, right? Well, yeah, Edison's whole deal. He did a lot of publicity stunts for incandescent and he was light. Kind of a butthead. Yeah, kind of. Um, and so they kind of like rolled their eyes and dismissed it as like a publicity stunt, but. A newspaper in Detroit got wind of it, and by 1895, the president of the United States at the time, Grover Cleveland, sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House. Um, So, you know, that was three years later. Johnson's tree had 80 bulbs. The one at the White House had over 100 multicolored lights. Okay. So not just the the red, the white, and the blue, but it was this. But then it would have been even better for America. It would have made more sense in the White House. He had multicolors. Okay. Tacky. (laughs) That's what Leslie would say. That's what Leslie would say. By 1900, businesses across the country began stringing up Christmas lights behind their windows because, again, these were pretty cost prohibitive and it was more of like a publicity thing. It wasn't like to be put in your homes. Um, But then people started taking these lights to the outside. (gasps) Get out of town. Well, when we come back, I can't wait to hear more about this. But first, we should do a thank you note for our sponsor. All right, everybody. I want to tell you, um, this is a proud parent moment. Dot had her first dentist appointment, and she's doing great. Looking great. And can I tell you, one of the things she's most excited about now is uh, being a big girl, is getting a quick toothbrush, just like mommy and daddy use, just like BB uses. 
It's like she's been using those like little kid toothbrushes. Right, yeah. And she has been like every time we go into the bathroom, she'll like point to BB's toothbrush and be like, that's a big kid toothbrush. She wants to turn on BB's toothbrush and we keep it out of Dottie's mouth, of course. But I think that we're gonna we're gonna give her one. Wrap it like a for Christmas. Christmas. That's all she's getting. No, she'll get other <laughs> stuff too. But she'll be very excited to get a big kid toothbrush. Um, and the thing about it, BB loves it too. We use we're a Quip family, frankly. Indeed, because we love Quip teeth brushes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And we we really like the toothpaste. I'm a big fan. The kids love the watermelon. Yep. I like the mint. Um, and so like it's it is a great bundle to buy as gifts and uh if you're not using like a time toothbrush i guarantee you you're not doing it long enough quip has 30 second vibrations timed out so you get four of them so it's like hey two minutes and here's a gentle reminder of when to move like this section of your teeth this section of your teeth this section this section um and i guarantee without that i'm not doing it right and it's great for travel with a lightweight and sleek uh design with no wires or chargers or anything like that and they have over 26,000 five-star reviews and was awarded one of time's 25 best inventions so go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now for your first refill free plus shop quip's lowest prices of the year this holiday season that's g-e-t Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. Quip, the good habits company. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now. So why not try a different one? called R1, The Flophouse. Uh-huh, and on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not R1, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishi K. Shearway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Okay, so now we're lighting the outside, fighting off the dark. That's right. We've we've taken Christmas trees from the outside. We put them inside. We've taken the lights from the inside, put them on the outside. That's a great point, baby. You're, it's all <laughs> a skewed view. Uh, so there are reports, uh, 1904, San Diego, 1909 in Wisconsin, 1912, New York City. These were the first, like, recorded instances of outside Christmas lights. However, uh-huh. this is this is so strange because everyone wants to get their name in lights, right? The mm, town of Mc- <laughs> The town of McAdenville, North Carolina, claims that they were the first to bring Christmas lights outside in 1956. Well, I mean, obviously they weren't. They have credit, though, from the Library of Congress, which says that the town, quote, invented the tradition of decorating evergreen trees with Christmas lights. What? When the McAdenville Men's Club conceived the idea of decorating a few trees around the community center. But they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. But they didn't. But like I said, everybody's got to have their claim to fame, right? Um. 
so you know there are, there's mar- there's archival footage there's like different uh even even as so far as like newspaper articles sure. predating this but what what are you going to do it's yeah. lies lies <laughs> um again Regardless of your enthusiasm for Christmas decorations, these electric lights were still very expensive for the average person. Um, and so they didn't replace candles as the majority of the like the light sources for Christmas trees until 1930. And then they didn't even become standard practice until the 1950s, which is why a lot of community celebrations like Christmas tree lightings and drive through light displays are still a big part of the holiday tradition. Because it was uh, easier, or I guess if you're going to spend money, the community, like the city, would buy the lights. Yeah, to kind of like group source it. Okay. Right, instead of spending the money for your own personal enjoyment. Sure. Um. So, But then you don't get the thing where you plug it in and we're just like, ah, oh! And then you blow all the fuses in the house like that Griswold. Like that one. Griswold one. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Someone sounds like a real Grinch over here. It's not one of my favorites. Lots of awkward kind of comedy. Teresa can't do awkward. Awkward comedy is not my thing. When people are awkward and I think she's like, no, 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 no. She just likes good friends having good times together. I sure do. Throw throw some music in there and I'm golden. Is there a Muppet? It's probably fine. (laughs) Or is it Cartoons. Not even that. There's some cartoons where you're oh, like, oh, Mr. Magoo, I can't do. You can't do Mr. Magoo? You know this about me. I didn't know you were so anti-Magoo. I just don't like how he's always ruining things. It's a cartoon. I know. He's ruining nothing. <laughs> he's having fun. Everybody's f- having fun, especially the Christmas Carol. He's barely Magooing in there. <laughs> okay. His Magoo levels are so low in the Christmas one. He's bare. He's Magoo in the beginning. But then he's basically Ebenezer Scrooge the whole time. I don't. I think he magoos once or twice throughout the whole thing. All right. I just say, I need babe, you to take three deep breaths. I think you need Stop to take three deep breaths. At me I'm not Magoo. yelling at you. You're just wrong about Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Anyway, the for the first commercially produced lights were manufactured in strings of multiples of eight by General Electric out of Harrison, New Jersey. So uh, each socket took a miniature two candela carbon filament lamp, which again. Is a fire hazard. Oh, yeah. But not an open flame. Better. Better? I mean, isn't that, that's just humanity, isn't it? Just failing forward each time. <laughs> hey, this is still dangerous, but not as dangerous as it was. Come on down. Buy as many as you can carry. So, after that, Christmas lights uh, moved away from the trees and onto the buildings and everywhere else you could put them. Uh, we've got uh, mantles and doorways and rafters and roofs and railings. And Slow-moving dogs. <laughs> sure. If you could string it up, right? Um, but here is one of the coolest places that Christmas lights ever showed up. Up your butt. <laughs> now you're going to be sheepish because the Greenville Christmas boycott. Oh. In 1963... There was a boycott of Christmas lights organized in Greenville, North Carolina, to protest segregation that kept black people from being employed by downtown businesses. Okay, see, yeah, that's... I told you. Okay. Yeah. And I set up your butt. I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel terrible now. Uh, So the black community at the time made up more than 33% of the population of Greenville, so they decided 
to protest this cultural and fiscal segregation by partaking in the Black Christmas boycott or the Christmas sacrifice, as it came to be called. Um, Not only did they boycott traditionally racist businesses who refused to hire them, but they also refused to light anything decorative at any of their homes. According to the records, only six houses in the black community broke the boycott that Christmas, with the rest of them holding strong. Um, The nonviolent protest was inspired by Martin Luther King's work and the blackout of Christmas lights, uh, was a show of solidarity and a form of silent civil disobedience. Uh, So in the next year, it was reported that several more businesses in the area began to hire black workers for the holidays. Awesome. And I'm sorry I set up your bio. I apologize retroactively. Let's talk a little bit about etiquette. Okay. So today, obviously, you can't throw a rock without hitting a a sign for a light display. Don't throw rocks. At the zoo. Why are people throwing rocks at the zoo? What? (laughs) Don't throw rocks at the zoo? No, the signs. Oh, okay. Uh, or, Or your park or your local mall. I mean, and if you have one... If you if you don't have one that you can go to, there's you can drive around neighborhoods that often put out their lights there um, was a, in yeah, in droves. That was a thing we did growing up. We'd go to the rich part of Huntington, uh, Stamford Park, I think it was called. Oh, and uh, everybody, you would also man. It was like ninety nine percent of the houses in this neighborhood were decorated like to the nines, and then like the one or two houses that didn't, we'd be like, oh, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> we're, hey. We're poor and we'd like some free Christmas entertainment, please. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you on vacation, rich person? That's what we always assumed. Oh, that they were on vacation, that they weren't there. That they went somewhere warm. Not that they maybe weren't Christian. No, uh, we grew up in Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, we were uh, ignorant. I see. And poor. Um, so if you would like to create one of those displays, um, there are a couple things that you should probably think about before you go um, killing power for the neighborhood. Is that what happened in the vacation movie? I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna do this with you. <laughs> so you should probably before a giant display goes up, you need to talk to your neighbors, right? See if there's anything you need to know beforehand. Like, do your neighbors have small children that need to go to bed super early? Um, so I think there's two sides of it, right? Because what you're talking about is like the actual in-person talking to people. Right. You, you might also be that there are neighborhood like HOA or whatever, that there are actual restrictions as far as like sound ordinances, times that they can be on or off. Exactly. Kind of or like strobe light effects or inflatables, how many you can have. I mean, there is a noise associated with the fl- inflatables, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, so it's always a great idea to put your lights on a timer um, because, I mean... Literally, you don't have to do anything but set up the timer. Um, then you don't have to worry about if you go to bed early or your light's going to stay up, stay on all night long. Um, you know, you can try and coordinate with what time does the neighborhood turn on, those kinds of things. Um, and bonus, saves you electricity, right, if sure. your lights aren't running I mean, the best way long. to save the electricity is not do it. But, yes, what you're saying is correct. <laughs> Uh, be mindful of the placement of your decorations. Does your large inflatable block someone's driveway, for instance, or maybe your letter carrier's route? Also, make sure you tie down, as long as you're talking mm-hmm. about inflatables. Yeah. Tie down inflatables because the stiff breeze is going to blow an inflatable into somebody else's yard or yeah. who knows. Um, there's also these really great, like, projectable lights, right, that you can anchor in your yard and project onto your house, but make sure that you project it in a way so that it's not, like, shining into your neighbor's bedroom, right? Um, and 
Also, like you mentioned, people love to drive around and, and look at the display. So, you know, keep it clean. A little bit of um, maybe some tongue-in-cheek is appropriate. But, but no R-rated Christmas decorations. No R-rated Christmas decorations. Are people doing those? Uh, I mean, foul language sometimes pops up. Or How could they? Maybe, maybe a, a sexual theme what? might be present. Don't they know that Santa's always watching? What's wrong with them? Well, Mrs. Claus can be a hot babe, right? I mean, I guess so, but respect still exists. She's still Mrs. Claus. That's what I'm saying, right? Um, I'm I'm just saying that there are maybe some things that I find sexy more than just hot babes. Maybe it's her <laughs> intelligence, her big heart, her she's good at cooking. All of these things can be appreciated in someone, Teresa, not just their physical form. Indeed, which is why I like having um, just lights. And presents. We like to put out those big stacks of I like the big of, stacks. The big you know stacks what I like? I presents. like making the reindeers out of light where you stack it in there. Oh, it's a reindeer. But it's made out <laughs> of lights. Love that. Anyway, um, if you find that any of your neighbor's displays are committing some of these faux pas, please, please, please talk to them specifically about how you can't get out of your driveway or the snowflakes are shining in your eyes. Um, you know, you know, be safe about it. And... Face your problems head on. It's it's not as fun to stew in it, right? Yeah. Also, don't do notes. Notes are so passive aggressive. Mm. Like, try to talk to them. And like, don't unplug things. Like, I'll show them. I'm like, don't, don't yeah. be passive aggressive. Uh, try to address it directly. Um, and if they're not receptive, then you might have to escalate it, um, whatever that means in your neighborhood. But I always try to be like, hey, uh, is there any way you could, you know, we've got a kid. Uh, they go to sleep at like 8 p.m. Um, and that light shines directly in their bedroom. Could you redirect the light or maybe make sure it's off by like 9 p.m. or something um, and try to find. Because most of the time, I'll tell you someone who decorates my house, I do it for me for sure. Yeah. But I want uh, I want the neighborhood to appreciate it too. And I'm sure that if somebody finds out it is an inconvenience or an imposition in some way, that goes against what they're trying to do. Exactly. Um, if you are of the if you are driving around, right, um, do make sure that you abide by the speed limit, right? And stay off of people's property. That would be pretty easy to do in a car, right? Um, but also you don't want to sit and loiter in front of someone's house. It's nice to slow down, maybe stop for a minute or two to admire, but you know, like this is this is people's homes that we're talking about. Um also keep your visits to fairly early in the evening. It mm. does get dark pretty soon uh, here in this hemisphere. So um, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., I would say, is about the right time. Uh, don't don't go driving in front of somebody's house at midnight. Yeah, just that slowly rolling great. by. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like your house. And if you are going to a commercial display, obviously follow all signage and rules. Um and, you know, just try and have patience if it's crowded, things like that. Um, so I think that having your outdoor decorations is actually a great way to get to know the people in the neighborhood, right? Um, some people even have kind of like open houses or open yards, I guess. Yeah, where open they streets. Open streets <laughs> where they invite people to come and see their decorations. Um, so maybe that will be you and you'll be known as the Christmas house in the neighborhood. That wasn't us. That was uh, a couple of doors down. <gasps> there was the guy who always put the reindeer up on the roof and my dad was not interested in that. So That seems like a lot of work. I mean, 
he liked it. And also, if you put it up there, where are the real reindeer going to land? You know what I mean? Got to look Got to think about that. Speaking of holidays, Candle Night is virtual again this year. It's going to be December 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Video on demand available through January 2nd. Um, tickets are on sale now, bit.ly slash candlenights2022, 2022. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, Griffin and I are going to be in person at PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. Uh, that's December 2nd today, if you're listening to it. Um, you can find all the info at bit.ly slash Tours. Um, also want to let you know, we got some new merch up on the merch store. There's a besties ornament. If you're a fan of Griffin and Justin and Russ and Chris's video game podcast, besties, which I am, uh, that ornament is designed by Evan Palmer. Um, there's a candle nights mug back in stock and 10% of all merch proceeds this month go to Harmony House, uh, in our hometown of Huntington, West Virginia. Check all that out at macroymerch.com. Um, yeah. And thanks. Have a safe Holiday season, we'll be back. This isn't like the last episode for the year, but you know, it's holiday season. Be safe. We always like to thank Brent, Brentel Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Uh, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you'd love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Um, also, thank you to Alex, our writer and researcher. Thank you to Rachel, our editor. Um, if you have a topic suggestion, uh, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Com. And if you have an idiom, we are amassing a new idiom idiom show. So get your idioms in and say hi to Alex in those emails because she reads every one. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manner Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.